Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Maria. And you're listening to the Baby Pro Podcast, where we talk about everything and anything related to pregnancy and through the first year of your child's life. Every episode, we will discuss and interview experts on all the answers to the questions expectant and new parents want to know, such as creating the perfect birth plan, infant sleep, and tips and tricks for parenting a newborn. And welcome to the show. Hey, Maria. Hey, Shelly. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? It's freaking hot. I feel yeah, like half is. my chickens had heat stroke today. They're out there panting oh. like dogs. Oh. I know. Rambler walks around the yard and his tongue's like hanging out the side of his mouth. Mm-hmm. And they, like the ACs aren't even really helping that much. We only have AC in our bed. Yeah. Same in our house. Yeah. None in the common areas. Yeah. Did you hear about the epidural shortage? I did not hear about that. Oh, that's yeah. gonna that's gonna be problematic, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep. It um it's not like the medication itself, it's the tubing that they oh. it, it's being impacted by the supply chain issues. So wow. the countries that are feeling it the most right now, I believe Canada's one and Australia. That's but it could potentially, you know, yeah, turn into an issue here. I know at like some birthing facilities in Canada, they are limiting who can get an epidural because they're trying mm-hmm. to save them for people who are getting like C-sections or who right, right. need them for people a medical really reason yeah. besides pain relief. So right. sounds like a good time to get yourself a doula. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> a good time to get yourself a doula and do a prepared childbirth class. So you mm-hmm. can- maybe skip the epidural but it's you know it's not just for pain relief too it can be for some women it gives them a break from anxiety or stress you know that they're having during childbirth so if that's going to be ruled out as a legit reason quote unquote to get an epidural that's going to be problematic too yeah i do know some women that get stuck in their labor because of stress or anxiety during labor and the epidural is enough to take that edge off and help their labor actually progress. So mm-hmm. I know that it's definitely helpful for a, a lot of families in specific situations. Well, let's hope that gets fixed soon. What a time to be alive, Maria. Right up there with the formula shortage. Yeah. Cause that's still a problem. It's getting better though. It is. I'm seeing a lot more prepared formula on the shelf these days versus powdered formula, mm-hmm. which is much pricier. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if that's the only thing you can get, then you need it. Right. Let's do our question of the week. So this week's question um, is my baby won't take a bottle. And at first I thought it was the bottle, but then I noticed that my milk f- smells and tastes like soap oh. when I freeze it. <laughs> this conversation with somebody recently did you really <laughs> I did they because they said I had somebody tell me that they were worried about they'd read it somewhere and they worried about it being a problem with their breast milk not that it was they just worried about it being a problem I was like well mm-hmm. does it smell like this and they were mm-hmm. like no I said then it's probably not a problem <laughs> right. but even so that soapy Smell is a classic symptom mm-hmm. of high lipase. Um, no, in fact, if your baby will take dangerous. is willing to drink the milk, it's not an issue at all. Yeah. But if you've got like a picky eater, 
Right. <laughs> They're like, I prefer not to drink soapy milk. <laughs> yeah, really. Then what should you do? Well, then you want to scald it first. Such right? a pain in the butt. Yeah. Such a pain in the butt. So much work. <laughs> I know. Like every time I tell a parent that they have to do that to save their milk, I like die yeah. a little bit. I know because, right? Because you are already doing all this work pumping mm-hmm. and now you have to add in an extra step before yeah. you can even freeze it. Yeah. On top of I mean, everything else, it's like on top, being yeah, a parent cleaning, and working yeah. and yeah. All the things. Yeah. Let me yep. go ahead. So and if your baby this. won't take the milk, then we suggest scalding it before, before, before you freeze it. it. And then it shouldn't um, turn into that soapy taste and smell. And I, I keep my fingers crossed that your baby will learn to accept it. <laughs> so you don't have to, to scald the milk. Yeah. You could experiment with different, different temperatures too. Like maybe if it's cold. I know some babies, some babies are very preferential about what temperature they want their bottled milk at. And some babies could care less. Could be right out of the fridge or or needs to be like 99.9 degrees mm-hmm. Fahrenheit or something. And the, so you could, the moon needs to be and yeah. <laughs> yeah, stars exactly. need to align. <laughs> and then they'll, then they're happy with it. But you could, you could try like a, like if it's a cold bottle of milk, it might not be as upfront or intense mm-hmm. versus Obvious. like if it's room temperature. Yeah. I've heard also if you mix the frozen milk with fresh milk, like a 50-50 ratio, that right. some babies will accept like, it that way. Because it kind of cuts through. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it dilutes the, the taste of the, the lipase. Yeah. Lipase, lipase, uh, tomato, tomato kind of situation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Words are hard. Soapy stuff. That's what we'll call the it. The soapy smell. Yeah. The yeah. soapy smell. Yeah. So manageable, but annoying. Yeah. So I would start off by mixing fresh with frozen milk, seeing if your baby will take it then, um, experimenting with the temperatures. And if that doesn't work, then you might end up having to scald your milk before you freeze it. Great question. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a super common occurrence, but it's just Mm -hmm. common enough. Think common (laughs) enough where everyone hears about it, at least something about it and like fears that will happen to them. Right. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Because it's, that's gotta be super frustrating. You have all this pumped frozen milk and your baby won't take it because it Mm -hmm. smells soapy. No, that's so much work. Damn picky eaters. Um, this week, our guest is Jocelyn McRae, and she is talking to us about support through miscarriage. Very important topic. Very important topic. Wish I'd had support. I had a, little, a lot of support, and it still, it still was hard. Yeah. But at least I had that support. Yeah. Yeah, miscarriage happens far more often than I think we realize. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it happens without us even knowing that we're pregnant yet. That has got to be so intense. Realizing that you are pregnant and that you're losing the pregnancy at the same time. I can't. Right. The, yeah. My heart goes out. Right. The emotional storm that that's got to create is just got to be so difficult. And then the pregnancy that follows that, like in my case, I was paranoid for probably a month Mm -hmm. that I was going to have another miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah. Yep. Well, that is coming up next. Yeah. Good and important information. 
guest this week is Jocelyn McRae. Jocelyn works with women in their support networks by helping them navigate their emotions through miscarriage or abortion. She has two beautiful angels, Charlotte and Oakland, who have brought her to where she is today. She uses these angels to guide her in life, forging a deeper connection with her soul's purpose. Jocelyn works with women through all stages, including the lead up to an abortion, the day of abortion and support, post-abortion or miscarriage in the early stages or in years to come. Through Jocelyn's own experience working as a physiotherapist, Reiki and coaching training, she empowers women and their support networks to heal from their miscarriage or abortion and return to themselves. She is on a mission to make a group for mothers who are unable to hold the babies as they are up above, have miscarriages and abortions, become dinner table conversations, and provide resources to the support networks that no one has to feel alone. Hi, Jocelyn. Hello, how are you? Good. We're on opposite so sides of the world right now, but finding know, common it. connection through our work. <laughs> I love that. I love being able to talk to people across the whole globe. And it's it's always fascinating to be like, what time zone are you in? Where mm. what, what time of the day is it for you? Yeah. Um, which I love. What a time to be alive. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your work. Sure. So my name's Jocelyn and I work as a miscarriage and abortion supporter. So I support women and their support networks through whether they've had a miscarriage or an abortion and help them guide their way of their healing and releasing that guilt and that shame and that pain that's so commonly held between both of those areas. Um, And I just bring light to those conversations and particularly because they are such a taboo conversation. Mm -hmm. And how did you fall into this line of work? Um, So I had a miscarriage when I was 17 and I very much just put it in a box and put it up on the top shelf and thought, I'm never going to deal with this. It's fine. And then when I was 25, I had an abortion and suddenly that miscarriage and all of that pain sort of came out whilst processing an abortion and processing the grief that happens with abortion as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really started to go along my own healing journey and working out that there wasn't a lot of support in either of these places and so my background is as a physio so I started doing um, some more women's health workshops I did some um, more allied health counseling stuff and then really stepped into doing a coaching certificate and moving really into that space of holding holding space for people Mm. um So my story is one of those ones where it's got that personal start and it's sort of developed throughout my career. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of people who work with families in the pregnant birth, whatever capacity, they just fall into that work. A lot of times it's not something that like when you were a little kid, you were like, I want to do this when I grow up. Absolutely. Um, I always say like, if you told me three years ago, that this is the work I would be doing, I genuinely think I would have probably been like, absolutely not. There's no way. And now, you know, I love it. And I love being able to support women along this journey. Mm -hmm. I do feel miscarriage can be a little bit of like a tight lip topic. Like no one ever really wants to talk about it. Although I do feel at least in the US that that's slowly getting better where people are being more open about their struggles around miscarriage. But do you find it the same where you are at where people don't want to talk about the miscarriage? Yeah, so here in Australia, there is certainly an opening in miscarriage and it's slowly becoming more of a conversation that people will feel comfortable to have or it's a conversation that 
people are getting better at holding that space for it. Not all the time, but certainly aspects of that is changing, which is really beautiful and great. But there's still always a hesitancy. There's without what I see with my clients is there's still this I feel embarrassed or I feel ashamed or um you know I feel like I've failed. And and a lot of that is actually building trust back within themselves. So building trust that they can trust their body, building trust that it wasn't their fault. And and slowly really working through that trust and that safety within themselves to know that it's okay to heal and it's okay to express themselves and it's okay to say to work, hey, I can't come in today. You know, this, mm-hmm. I've had a personal matter happen. So I certainly do find that miscarriage is spoken about a bit more than abortions and a little bit more accepted. I will preface that with since Roe versus Wade, um, the abortion is now very much a topic that is talked about. And what I found is, you know, one of my missions for, for my business is to make miscarriages and abortions a dinner table conversation. Mm-hmm. But what I've found that since Roe versus Wade is that, and that change is the fact that it's now become a dinner table debate. You mm-hmm. know, suddenly there's this constant view on it and and I'm very grateful like I've got friends and family and and the work that I do everyone's very accepting but or and if they're not we just don't talk about it um but what I've noticed with I've had clients come back for a few sessions I've had all sorts of different scenarios happen and a lot of it is because all of a sudden it's everywhere Mm -hmm. and it's everyone judging everyone on different scenarios and you know you don't know someone's story until you really sit down and listen to it and even then you only know a percentage of that story so mm-hmm. gone on a little tangent there but I um I definitely think miscarriage is slowly moving in that direction of being more accepted mm-hmm. yes um I had a pregnancy loss in the second trimester and I remember not realizing until after when so many people, so many women that I knew would be like, yeah, this, this happened to me too. Um, it, it did help me feel less isolated, but also just even more sad that it's such a common thing to happen to women and, and no one ever talks to people about that. And unless it's happened already, like in the moment, but there's no like other discussion around that. Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's one in four women. Mm-hmm. Um, it says statistics here in WA or here in Australia and you know and I would say that that's fairly similar across to the US and it is that thing of you sit there and you share that story and someone goes yeah I had that experience as well and it does just take that weight away because you no longer feel like you're alone and mm-hmm. you no longer feel like you're navigating this whole new path so you know it is something that's so important that we talk about you know we mm-hmm. we can love and support people by just listening mm-hmm. I remember in my situation at the time I was homeschooling my kids so I had um, two kids and then I got pregnant with the third and I got pregnant and then another mom in the homeschooling group got pregnant and then a third mom got pregnant and we all had miscarriages within like weeks of each other. Um, so it was, it was kind of shocking for me to not be aware that it happens that often. And then all of a sudden to feel like I'm going through it. And now two of my closest friends are going through it. 
but it did kind of help us because we, you know, we're texting and supporting each other. We did end up all getting pregnant again at the same time and having full term healthy babies around the same time. In fact, one of them, um, our babies were born on the exact same day, our rainbow babies. So, but it, it was, it was like nice to not nice that they had to go through it with me, the same thing as me, but it was nice to like, to realize that I wasn't alone in this and also to have that support from people who just got it. Yep. Yep. And that's the other big thing is it's someone who gets it, you know, someone who, who knows the motions that are happening alongside and they don't know exactly your experience, but they can have that empathy and, and have an understanding of, yeah, I remember when I was moving through that stage, for instance. When a parent's going through a miscarriage, what do you find is like the hardest part uh, for them? And I, I mean, obviously losing a baby is hard, but in terms of like the actual process and interacting with other people while they're going through it. Yeah, I certainly, this is such a hard question to answer. Um because everyone's experience is so different. You know, mm. I have the, a common theme across it is that, you know, when someone is had a miscarriage, when they start to have friends have babies or baby showers or the due date is also a really common one. The due date can be hard because it's that point where it's that what if, what mm. if this did happen? And, you know, I really encourage all my clients and, and I do this for myself is, I actually have that day as a day of honor. So that day I always have my whole schedule clear and I will spend the day doing things for myself and doing things that connect me back. So, you know, people always ask me, what does that look like? And, you know, it can be, I might take myself out for a breakfast and then I might come go for a massage or I might just spend the day in bed journaling and watching a movie. And it's, it's really a day to bring slowness you know, to bring slow and connection and just allow yourself some time to go, hey, this happened to me and I want to spend some time just just sitting in this space rather than rushing and going through. So I definitely find that when there's babies being born around that sort of area, it's really difficult. Another really difficult time is when people start to try and have a baby again. So um, whether they're going for a rainbow baby or whether, you know, it's a few babies down the track, it can be really difficult because it brings again all of those motions. Will I get past, you know, week 9, 10, 15, whatever week it was for you? And so there's almost like this heightened anxiety with that. So I tend to find that's quite another area that's quite common that I'll work with people through and and really releasing the the pain of that miscarriage so that it doesn't impact this one you know Mm -hmm. it doesn't impact this baby and and being able to spend that time when you are pregnant enjoying it rather than sitting there and and being so stressed about the the old experience Mm -hmm. yeah 100%. I remember I, you know, I didn't wait very long to get pregnant with my rainbow baby. And I think what really helped me through that pregnancy is I had a midwife that was so incredibly compassionate and understanding and supportive. And I remember as we got closer and closer to the week where I had lost the previous baby, I started to get more and more anxious. And she, if I text her, she would come by as soon as she could with her Doppler and we would listen to the baby's heartbeat and she would be like, see, it's 
it's, it's fine. Everything's fine. And I just remember it was such like a relief for me that she wasn't dismissing my concerns and she wasn't like, oh, you're fine. You're just, you know, you're just stressing out or you're overreacting or she was just like, um, what can I do to make you feel better in this situation? I'd be like, well, I'd really like to hear the baby's heartbeat. So she would come by and we'd listen to it. And I think I wish more, I wish more parents had access to, to that type of provider. And I don't know, like, I don't have that support network, having that support and someone to acknowledge and validate and recognize that Mm -hmm. it is a stressful time. It is Mm -hmm. a time where you're like, oh, I just, I really need this right now. And it's like, okay, well, let's give that to you. And if we can't give that to you, is there another way that I can support you through that? Yeah. Yeah. And I really liked what you said about like honoring the day Mm -hmm. and taking the time off and doing what you needed to do. I remember um, because my body didn't want to pass the pregnancy naturally, I ended up getting induced in the hospital Um, and it was a boy, the baby was a boy. I worked at the same hospital Mm -hmm. on the same floor. In the, in the maternity unit. So I remember on, on the date that I was induced, I called in sick and I'm like, I'm not going to work today. I don't want to walk by that room and have that be how I have to process this day. I want to be at home and able to process it in my own way. Not when I'm trying to get through my work day. And every time I walk by that room, like get that jarring reminder. Absolutely. And it's, it's a beautiful day that if you've got a partner as well that's open to it is connecting with them and spending that time together as well and it is all those things it's setting yourself up for you know what what's the best thing for me right now and that might be not going to work so that's really good mm-hmm. what kind of ways do you support families yeah so um all my clients have the option that they can have their partner join in for a few sessions or I can do a one-on-one session with them um, whether it be their partner or their main support network. So it can be a friend, a mum, whoever that might be for them. I'm always really passionate about this part because we need a, we need to educate everyone on this. We need to be able to have everyone be able to support people through this process. And so I have lots of um, resources that I give out to those sorts of groups um, and those um, partners as well as friends and stuff like that. And I'm working on creating a sort of online little webinar at the moment so that then, again, people have a resource to go to. I remember when I had my my abortion, but even when I've supported women through their miscarriages, family and friends and partners don't know what to do. And I remember I sat there and I thought, I'm just going to Google something and I'll see if there's any resources out there. And there's not a lot of resources out there to support the partner through that. And that's not even supporting the partner through just the how to support the female or how to support their wife or girlfriend or partner through through it, but also to support themselves because mm-hmm. they've had a loss too. You know, they've had a loss whether it be as their own son or daughter or their, you know, niece or nephew or auntie or whoever that might be. And so giving them some resources about that and how to love themselves and look after themselves through that process so that they can be the best to serve and help their loved one. Mm -hmm. 
I love that. And I think that's so important because I think that is a mistake that I made after my loss where everyone was so focused on me and how I was doing. And people would come over and like, give me shoulder rubs and talk to me. And no one really was checking in with the father of the baby. And he just, you know, he was expected to go back to work right away. He never had the chance to process his emotions. And I think it just took a while, but then it just hit him like really hard. We had some issues when that happened and And looking back, I'm like, oh, I really wish that I was so wrapped up in how I was feeling, but I really wish that I had paid more attention to how he was feeling too. Yeah. And it's not uncommon. It's uh, what I usually see is around the six to nine month mark is when the partner or the father of the baby or the support network start to have some little cracks show Mm -hmm. and, and start to really feel it. And, and my only opinion and and idea around this is that they have been holding so strong to their partner and their loved one that you start to get weak over time. You have to start to find, you know, it's like if you've been inhaling, 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 you've got to find time to exhale. And so it's making sure that we create time to exhale throughout that process so that it doesn't build up to, you know, six months, nine months down the track. And, and that's when we can start to have problems, whether it be personally, relationship, you know, all of those areas. Mm. And I know every family is different, but what are some of the most common things that you see like partners doing to, to help themselves? Or what are some things that you recommend for partners to help process with their going Yeah. Through? Yeah. Yeah. So with partners, I always say first thing is make sure you're looking after you. So make sure you have a support network. So whether that be talking to friends or family um, or a counsellor or a coach or, or myself, whatever that feels right for you. So having that support network. The next thing is to really give yourself some time, you know, and and focusing on, hey, I actually need some time to process this myself and acknowledge that you have had a loss yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes you can sit there and there's moments, so like the day that um, your due date, if you wish, or other times sitting there together and just honoring that that's how you feel and honoring that that's how your partner's feeling and setting some clear boundaries around that as well as I'm actually working with a couple right now and one of the boundaries that we were sort of speaking about was that the sometimes the wife comes home and she really needs to unload she just she works a really difficult job and you know, is really finding it difficult to process this. And so she comes home and she's like, just unloads. And her husband is a bit like, I don't feel like I've got the space to hold Mm -hmm. that when I'm processing mine or, you know, I kind of having a good day and she walks in and it all sort of happens very quickly. And so one thing we spoke about with, you know, boundaries and working out that space is now they've actually created, you know, a two-hour block on the weekend that they sit down and they're like, this is the time that we hold space for each other mm-hmm. and we can sit in this grief and we can sit in this time to honour this baby. They've given a baby a name, which I always love. So mm-hmm. my miscarriage was Charlotte and my um, abortion was Oakland. What I love about giving the child a name is that it creates a personal connection there and mm-hmm. it gives, rather than saying the baby or the miscarriage, you can actually just refer to it as a name which I personally love and I get my clients to do it. If they don't want to, that's more than okay. Um, 
but they sit down and they have this two-hour connection time to to connect in with each other, to connect in with how they're feeling. But it, what it stopped is that it stopped the wife coming home and just unloading. And instead she might say, hey, I've had a really tough day today. Can you sit with me? And he has the chance to say yes or no. And if he says, no, it's not a personal thing, it's that now she can go and say, all right, cool, I'm going to go speak with um, my friend and have a chat with her so that I've got somewhere safe to express this. So that's one of the big things and and having compassion. You're both moving through a really difficult time and knowing that you will get through this, it's just a time where you're both grieving. Mm -hmm. You're grieving all the what-ifs, you're grieving you know, all of those aspects, but you're also grieving the version of you before the miscarriage. Mm. You know, you were a different person before that experience and now that you've had that experience, it can be really difficult. Yeah, 100%. And I love why, I love that idea of like asking permission before just unloading. I think I, honestly, I really need to get better at doing that too. <laughs> like just taking them on I to say, it. I need to vent. Are you ready for it? Or do I need to go talk to someone else? Yeah, I do it with a few of my like very close girlfriends and, and my mom. And what I love about it is it gives someone the opportunity to say, hey, no, I'm not, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, I've got this one girlfriend and I who, um, if we jump on the phone, I might say to her, or I might text her and just be like, hey, do you have space today? And if she replies back, you know, saying no, I'm like, no problems at all. Love you. Speak to you later. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. and there's no, you know, it doesn't change how you look at that person. It's just like, cool, you've got your stuff right now and that's what you can hold and I'm going to respect that mm-hmm. and I'm going to find a support that place that I can come to. So, yeah, it's it's fantastic. I'm just taking some notes because this is like brilliant. <laughs> I just love the way you phrase things. I do have a friend that I text, we text almost every day. And what I love about her is if I text, like, I just need to vent, she'll be like, go for it. But then she'll say, before you start, are you looking for me to listen? Or do you want me to help you problem solve? 99% of the time, I'm like, I just want you to listen. Like, I know how to figure out this solution on my own, but I just, I just need someone to listen to me right now. Yeah. I just need someone to listen to that, let me feel heard and then and move from there. Another question I had is I think, and I had this experience when I was going through my miscarriage, people don't know what to say. And so sometimes they attempt to say something out of compassion and out of a, a need to feel like they're helping. And it just comes out terribly. Like, you know, I was told the the typical, like, oh, it was meant to be, there's probably something wrong with the baby and you can have another one. And like, as and that just felt like rubbing salt <laughs> into my wound. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. All of those things are so common. Um, and I'm so glad you said that because it's one of those areas that I am really passionate about because none of those comments help that person. And I know that they always come from a loving place, but it's always a thing of how is that helpful right now? Um, and when I get emotional, I can get really sassy. So I have quite literally said to people, how is that helpful right now? Um, <laughs> which is always very fun for, for my family, my friends. Mm. So my recommendation is that beforehand, I always say, take a big breath. Before the first thing that comes out of your mouth when someone's shared this really big thing is take a big breath 
and I would think less is more. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, like we just said, you know, we just want someone to sit with us and let us feel seen and heard and loved. It actually doesn't matter what they say. It's actually about just their presence and sitting with you. And so when we are saying things, even just saying, hey, I'm thinking of you today, mm-hmm. you know, so um, I always share around Mother's Day and around Christmas and stuff, you know, sending a text of just saying, love you, thinking of you today. I know today will be hard. Is there anything I can do to make you feel loved today? They're all things that aren't going and dismissing it because what those other comments do is they dismiss it. Oh, it wasn't meant to be. Mm-hmm. And that dismisses this whole pain experience for that person rather than saying, hey, that would have been really hard. Do you want to talk me through it? Or, mm-hmm. hey, that would have been really hard. How can I love and support you today? Mm-hmm. Can I give you a hug? You know, and and one thing I always get people to do is ask for permission to give a hug because sometimes people go, I don't want to be touched when I'm expressing right. this. Yeah. You know, is can I give you a hug? Yeah. You know, um, and another tip, this is just one that just randomly popped into my head that I remembered is, you know, if someone starts crying when they're sharing your story, don't rush to go and grab the tissues because when you rush to go and grab the tissues, what you're saying unconsciously is your tears, you can't cry, don't mm-hmm. cry, you know, and it's almost that rejection of going, please don't cry, you know, here, I'll grab the tissues and we'll fix that problem. Mm-hmm. Rather than just going, you know, allowing them to express it and say, would you like me to go and grab the tissues or should we sit here for a bit longer? I love that. Yeah. And one of my favorite, that's why I always say at the start is saying, you know, take a big breath, check in with yourself very quickly first and going, okay, let me sit with this, with that person. Mm -hmm. Rather than rushing into it and trying to smooth it over and fix it you know mm-hmm. was it meant to be maybe there was a problem it's like well even if there was a problem it still would have been really hard right you know right. even if there was those health concerns it's still a really hard time mm-hmm. there's still a loss and sitting with someone in that space is more impactful than what you can say normally mm-hmm Right. And I did feel like that when people would make those comments to me, I'd be like, am I not even allowed to grieve this? Why are you trying to cheer me up? Why aren't I allowed to have some space to grieve? I don't think this is something that I should be, you know, feeling relieved about just because you said something like it was meant to be or whatever. Um, And I think, you know, I, I am an atheist. So when people, a lot of people would say to me like, oh, your baby's in a better place now. And I would stop and think, I'm like, think about what you're saying. You're saying that you're, my baby was better off dead <laughs> than with me. Like death is a better place for my baby. But my favorite, um, the response that I actually found the most helpful was a friend of mine who had also gone through a miscarriage. And she just was like, this fucking sucks. <laughs> That's what she said to me. And I'm like, yes. And she like cried with me. And that was the most comforting response. Just this like this fucking sucks because it did. It fucking sucked. Yeah. And it was, she was meeting you where you were, you know, instead of trying to bring into this positive space or this space of, oh, it's all going to be okay. All right. She actually was like, all right, well, right now you're feeling like this is fucking shit. So I'm going to meet you there, you know? Mm -hmm. And 
And someone sometimes just acknowledging that, that, yeah, it's fucking shit, you know, this is a shitty experience and that is more impactful than, oh, can I make you a cup of tea or can I do this, can I do that? Different places, different people. Mm -hmm. But I love that. And I I think when you go through the experience yourself, you know when that works for you. Yeah. Sounds like she's an amazing friend, though. She is. The other thing that I found that she did that was really helpful was she dropped off like she left them on my porch. She's like, I'm not even going to ring your doorbell because I know that you want to be alone today. I'm just going to leave them on the porch and you can grab them when you're ready. But they were because I had two toddlers at the time. She put like a craft kits in brown paper bags and she even like drew out in pictures because my kids couldn't read yet like directions on how to, and it had everything. It had the glue stick, it had everything that she, that they needed to do the craft. So all I had to do was like hand it to them and they could open it up and figure out how to do the craft. And it just kept them busy. So that I had some space to, to grieve and to mourn. I'm like, that is like one of the best gifts that I got during that time period. Absolutely. You know, and I love that she just dropped it off, you know, because sometimes we have people and they'll go, I'll bring you over dinner and then they come for dinner and they go, do you want a cup of tea? And it's this whole process. And you do just sometimes want to sit on your own. You just want to go, I don't want to entertain or host people. And so, you know, having that ability to go, yep, I'm going to drop this off. That's all that needs to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have to to sort of almost welcome ourselves in and we don't have to invite people in. Um, But I love that with the toddlers, you know, giving them an activity giving them something to do so that you don't need to think of that right now. Mm -hmm. Shifting gears just a little bit. Can you talk a little bit about like the physical process of a miscarriage and what I know it can look differently for, for people, but generally what someone would expect if they were going through a miscarriage? Yeah. Like it's, this question is always tricky to answer because it is so different for yeah. everyone. Um, you know, and it can depend along where you're along in terms of your progress as well along your pregnancy. So, you know, I always say if you're nervous or in doubt, contact your midwife or your doctor. They're going to be able to do those safe, those checks um, better than I would be able to explain to you. But, you know, any pain, any blood, anything like that are really signs of times to go and just double check, make sure everything's okay. But also listen to your intuition, you know, listen to that person inside of you being like something just doesn't feel right, mm-hmm. something just isn't working and and going and seeking that medical support in that space. Mm-hmm. Because I imagine most of your clients have already had the miscarriage, obviously, when they contact you. Mm-hmm. If you um were to talk to someone who, you know, maybe their, their hormonal levels were low and the, and the, or there's no heartbeat. So they um, sent them home to pass the baby. Like what would be some physical comfort measures that they could try to have on hand and try to relieve the discomfort? Yeah. So, you know, your stock standard heat pack, things like that. Again, your, your doctor's going to be able to tell you a bit more about your painkillers and things. But, you know, a heat pack, having a nice um, warm shower, all of those things to make yourself that little bit more comfortable. And it's always really hard because I go, try and distract yourself. You know, try and give mm-hmm. yourself something else to think about because if we're sitting there and focusing on the pain and the discomfort, then it can almost feel like that's even harder to process. Um, so, you know, in that time, really trying to have a, like I'm, 
interestingly, whenever I'm sad or I'm unwell or anything like that, all I want is a cup of tea and Japanese food. I don't know why it's Japanese food. <laughs> um, but, you know, having those comforts and having those times to to just connect in. Um, in regards to hormones, like I had issues with hor- my hormones both times. And so I worked quite closely with a naturopath to rebalance them afterwards mm-hmm. um, and really allowing my body that time to heal as well. Mm-hmm. You know, after our miscarriages or our abortions, we have that drop in hormone levels. So we have essentially a version of postpartum, mm-hmm. you know, and we have we have that change in our hormone levels in that change in our body. And so being really aware of that, and particularly if, you know, some doctors I know for my clients and, and for myself straight away afterwards put me on contraception or straight away made changes. And so it's almost the only way I can explain it from, from my experience was it's like my body and my hormones went into shock. Mm-hmm. It was like, well, one minute we're pregnant and now we're on hormonal control and now what, what do I do now sort of thing? I don't know what my next step is. And so I worked with a naturopath to, I came off contraception and worked very, very quickly, came off contraception and worked with a naturopath to reduce those hormones and get my body back into a state where it was moving happily mm-hmm. and it was able to balance those hormones. It was able to shift what it needed to shift and allow that process to happen which for me and most of my clients that have done gone along that journey has taken about three to four months to rebalance those hormones and really allow that process to be complete Mm -hmm. not emotionally but physically yeah so if if families are interested in trying again do you recommend that they Mm -hmm. wait those three to four months to allow their body not necessarily not necessarily okay not necessarily no, it depends. Everyone's every story is different. I work closely with a few doctors and midwives and things, and every single person's different. Every single hormone's different. You know, my hormones took three months to sort of get to that point where they balanced after after a long time. You know, it was still like I had probably about six months, and then I had three months of just balancing them again. You know, so it can take a long time. But it did for me, but I've had clients that it's balanced within you know one cycle two cycles Mm -hmm. so it's really different for every single person it can depend how far along you are it depends on you know your liver and your kidney and all of the rest Mm -hmm. of your body as well Mm -hmm. um so work closely with a doctor that you feel really comfortable with working with a naturopath if that's who you feel called to work with and really just I'm really big on trusting yourself so if it feels like the right time go ahead with that if it doesn't feel like the right time then don't Mm I love that. Um, going back to what you said about realizing that your body goes into a postpartum, like a postpartum period, hormonally. I think I definitely did experience that. And I was lucky enough where my midwife kind of warned me that that would happen where she was like, you know, you're, you kind of have to act like that you had the baby and rest and, and nourish and hydrate and everything. And I know that depending on how late in your pregnancy are, you can even have some women will experience their milk coming in, which is kind of like, again, rubbing salt in the womb because you've have all this milk for a baby that you don't get to hold or to t- bring home with you. Yeah. 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 I had a, um, she's an incredibly strong client of mine and her milk came in and she actually pumped so that then she could give the milk to like the neonates on Mm. the water here which is um in another state um but here in australia 
And, you know, I said to her, I was like, that is incredibly strong, you know, to, to go, I don't have a baby to hold, but I'm going to give this gift. And, and she really said to me, she was like, it was a way of me honoring her right now. Mm. And it was a way of the legacy living on. And she did it for about two or three months. I think it was Mm. maybe two months. And she said it was a really hard but healing experience for herself. Mm-hmm. So I've only ever had one client do that, but it was such a beautiful, beautiful way for her to honor herself and honor her baby. Yeah, I love that. And I've, I've known a couple of people who have done that and they use the same exact words. Like, this is my way of honoring the baby that I lost. And this is my way of healing and how it helped them heal. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. I know you talked a little bit about how you support families, but what does that process look like? Do they, when they contact you, do you have like an initial meeting? Is there like intake forms that they fill out that help kind of help you guide them on how they could be best supported by you? Yeah. So we usually just have a um, initial phone call conversation or initial Zoom conversation. We have a chat about where they're at, what that looks like, you know, am I the right person to support them? If I'm not the right person to support them, then I can sort of pass them on to a few different people that I work with or, you know, big or other organizations or um, non-for-profits and things. So, yeah, initially it's just a phone call conversation, finding out where are you at, where can I help, where's the barrier and and sitting with them in that space and hearing some of their story. So that's usually how it works. And then after that, I work with all my clients for a minimum of three months. And the reason it's for three months is because, you know, one session isn't going to heal. It takes time and it's really beautiful to have someone walk you through that journey, but also walk you through the highs and walk you through the lows Mm -hmm. and walk that way. So usually I find that clients will sometimes have had their miscarriage recently, so within a few weeks and come and see me. But I've also worked with clients who have been four or five years post miscarriage and they're like it's still there this pain is still there um or when they've gone to have a baby again so it can really depend on the person and where they're at it's again when you feel called you know I've had some clients that have come to me and they've gone I'm not ready to sit in it but it's just happened and I'm like that's okay Mm -hmm. you know now is not the time because you've got to go when the right time is for you Mm -hmm. yeah I love it and I think we need more people like you on this planet who is willing to work in these hard spaces. And it's not easy. I know working also in an an emotional job where um, hormones are ranging all over the place and there's a lot of mixed feelings that it can be really draining too, but it sounds like you must do a really good job of like protecting your own space and making sure that you're doing self-care. And Yes, I am. I have very good boundaries. <laughs> I, um, I, I, I do. I, and I take on a limited number of clients so that I can ensure that I do look after myself as well. Yeah. And I have a beautiful support network around me that can support and love me during that space. But I love this work. So, you know, I hate to say it because it sounds so cliche, but it doesn't feel like work to me. Mm-hmm. It feels so beautiful and exciting and I always feel so privileged to be able to hear everyone's story whether that be someone who's you know just sent me a huge message on Instagram or a voice note on Instagram and shared shared their experience or if it's someone who I'm working with coaching wise or if it's someone who 
has seen me at a workshop and had a conversation with me and every single time I sit there and I go I'm so honoured and humbled and it's a privilege to hear that person's story and be able to hold space for that person and and love on them. Love that. Where can people find you if they want to connect with you, reach out to you? Yeah, the best place to contact me is on Instagram. I um, I do all my own messages, so you'll never get a response that's not from me. So it does mean that sometimes it can take a little while for me mm-hmm. to get back to you. So I do pre-apologize for that. But I best place is Instagram. I share a lot of my life on there, um, and you know I share tips and all of those other beautiful things. I do have a website. You can read my blogs on there. I write my mm-hmm. own blogs and I. I share my experiences as well through that. Um, but otherwise, just looking for a call, even just having a chat with me, sharing your story and letting me hear that, you know, where you're at and where your journey is. And your website is um, jocelyn.coach. Yeah, jocelyn.coach. And my Instagram is jocelyn.coaching. I can send you all the yeah. links so you'll have all that. Yeah, and we'll definitely put those links um, in the show notes. And again, thank you for coming, being willing to come on here and talk about this really, really important topic that I don't think it's talked about enough. And again, we need more people like you out there, like supporting these families because it's such an important job and it's so hard to know what to do unless you've gotten that training or have been in that space. So I'm glad that people in your area have you to look to for that support. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And it's such a beautiful space to be in. You know, I um, I get to meet people all over the world. I have clients in, you know, I'm based in Australia, but I have clients in Australia and New Zealand in Singapore and New York and, you know, in Canada and all of these beautiful countries. And you get to have these conversations, but have this mutual connection and support and love for everyone because we're all having this human experience of, of loss. Right. It's worldwide. Mm-hmm. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. It doesn't um, discriminate. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you again so much, Jocelyn. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us this week on the Baby Pro Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, ShellyTaftIBCLC.com, where you can check out more options for support through pregnancy and beyond, including the Baby Pro Bistro, our parenting community. You can also follow us on social media at ShellyTaftIBCLC on Instagram. If you love the show, please leave us a rating or review on iTunes to help our episodes reach more parents like you. Thanks for listening.